0: Welcome to the Institute of Men podcast, where we are figuring out what kind of men we want to be and pursuing that vision relentlessly for the rest of our lives. We derive wisdom from what is ancient, traditional, and from the greatest men in history. My name is Keaton Tucker, and I want to thank you for listening. Today, we are talking about the importance of self-education and how you can begin to educate yourself on what is good, right, and true. If you're new to the podcast or you haven't hit that subscribe button, go ahead and do that now. And if you would be so kind as to leave a five-star review. If you want to get into heaven, leave a comment. It is guaranteed entrance into heaven if you leave a comment on your favorite listening app. Thank you for listening and supporting the Institute of Men. What's going on, gentlemen? Welcome to the Institute of Men podcast. Like I said in the intro, my name is Keaton. I hope you are doing well. It is cold, where I'm recording. So if you have not listened to this podcast before or you're you're brand new or you just forgot, I live in New England and yesterday we got blasted with snow. So we hadn't had snow all year. We got our very first snow yesterday and it was, you know, we shoveled in the morning and it was about eight inches of snow, very heavy, wet snow. And then uh, had to shovel again in the evening and it was about another four inches of snow, very heavy. And it, it was like, whoa ton of snow. And where I record these podcasts in the attic of our house, it's not heated. So it's actually like really, really cold in the room. I record these podcasts. So I'm bundled up ready to talk to you guys today about how to self-educate. And I just thought that was a funny way to begin our show today is to say, hey, where I'm recording from, it just snowed and it was really, really cold. And I hope you are getting snow. I hope you didn't have to wait for snow where you got it. We were fortunate enough to have a white Christmas, so I didn't have, like, my first snow. So uh, that's probably confusing. We went to Colorado to my parents' house and all my family, and we had a white Christmas there. But yesterday was the first snow in New England where I currently live. So if that was confusing, my apologies. Um you know, and my daughter is old enough now that we could take her we've taken her in the snow before, but now she's old enough to try to play in the snow, so she's got her long pants and I built her this really big well, five about five foot tall hill that we could sled down and she was she was not about it at all. She did not like the snow. She didn't like walking in it. All she, she, she kept going, snack. I just want a snack. And I was like, all right, you know, we tried our best and I had more fun playing on the hill than she did. But welcome to the podcast. You didn't sign in to hear me talk about the cold and the snow. But today I want to talk about um, the importance of self education, the importance of, um, not just the importance of it, but how to self-educate. And in light of whatever happened with Claudine Gay at Harvard, which honestly I only know headlines, and I didn't feel the need to look into it a lot because for, I just—you can only know so much in trying to know every everything about everything. Will lead you actually learning nothing. You'll just have a lot of information that will be useless in a few months. And so I saw the headlines. I saw the video, and I, the comments were not. They were, uh, they were very disparaging. They were not good comments. And then I saw that there was some plagiarism thing. And I, you know, I was like, okay. And then she removed. And uh, but it kind of speaks to something happening in universities anyway. Um, I'm sure if you follow the news you've heard a lot about what has been going on with universities for the last several years and it seems to have been amplified. Universities have always kind of been a, a you know, it's young people who are free for the free from their parents for the first time in their life and they get crazy ideas. I had crazy ideas when I was in college. I didn't protest, but I had crazy ideas and and it's it's But it's become kind of hotbeds of what a lot of people are calling indoctrination. It's not even about education much anymore in a lot of ways. Um, you've heard uh, probably stories that people won't hire students who have graduated from the Ivy Leagues, which is crazy be, um, to think about anymore because those were like the pristine schools. They were the ones everybody wanted to go to, and most of us could not. We went to state schools or some other school, and, and now it's become... The people, the students coming out of these universities have become so intolerable to employers in their HR departments that they just won't even hire them. This is very becoming very true of the law schools in particular. Though, and so there's that portion. But then also, college tuition is insane. It is so expensive that people are, they're just foregoing college altogether, especially men. So, uh, Pew Research and I've talked about this on the channel before. Pew Research did a study, this? it actually posted December 18th of 2023, that uh, in the year 2022, the number of students in college, male students, um, was down 1.2 million people from its peak in 2011. So 1.2 million men, oh, excuse me, I'm reading that wrong, 1 million men decided not to go to college compared to 2011, okay? So that means just less and less men are going to college. They're choosing, I'm not gonna go to college. I'm going to go do something else. In a lot of ways, that's really good. You can go do the trades. You can go start a business. You can, a lot of people with the internet, there's plenty of ways to make a living. And so people are finding alternatives to going to college. But I've also said on this channel that college as, you know, it took me 13 years to graduate. I did three years and three years. And then I took, you know, 10 years to do that final year because I'd go to school and I'd drop out or I'd go to take a class. And I was like, I don't really know if I want to study this. And I couldn't figure out what I wanted to study. And I just kind of put it off and put it off. And I worked. And then I was like, I finally was like, I'm going to finish college. And it was in that final year of college, you know, in my 30s with, you know, a child and a one on the way that I really started to appreciate what education could be at a high level. I went to Liberty Online. I loved my time at Liberty Online. I loved all of my classes. I graduated with a government degree and I chose government because when you study government, you study history and you study philosophy and you study political theory. And all of these disciplines force you to think. They force you to consider different arguments, different positions, different outcomes in society, everything from economics to how did uh, how do certain voting patterns or voting rights and voting structures uh, work in different countries. You, you had to study all of these things and then you had to look at the development of uh, the constitution. So like you have the constitution and then you have the American law that c- falls underneath and how did that all play out? You had to study all this stuff and it forced you to think. It forced you to Wonder, is this good? Is this, does this, what consequences does this have? How does every single decision people make play out? Everything comes with unintended consequences. You had to kind of wrestle with all that stuff. We had to read this book, actually. It was called On Politics. Um, and I can't remember the author, it was about 1200 pages. And it was the greatest, it was a summary of the greatest political thinkers since. Um, Herodotus, I believe is how you say his name. And there was like Herodotus, Plato, Aristotle, um, Augustine. And then it went through the Christian era and it had Aquinas. And then it went into the post kind of Christian era, the enlightenment era with Locke and, and Rousseau. And then it got into the technocratic age, which is what we are currently in. It was just this vast array of political thought. And it forced me to think and to realize that not everything is so simple it's not as simple as what you might hear on the news or what pundits say it's actually of this very civilization is very complex and i i didn't appreciate that until i finished that final year of college so while yeah young men are not going to college in the numbers that they were because of the cost because they don't want to be indoctrinated they don't want to hear about crazy ideas of intellectuals and it's kind of become disconnected for a lot of people from their real life especially with the cost I mean, who wants to finish school with $50,000 in loans that you have to pay off or just to get an entry-level job? And then you're, people are starting to realize like you can get a job without a college degree. So you have all that, but then there's also the benefits of education. And one of the things I hope that you learn from this podcast or from whatever podcast you le- le- you listen to is the necessity... Of continuing self-education, I think it's one of the greatest skills that men can have: is the ability to learn things. And I don't just mean learning things about how to run a business, though that's good. There's plenty of books about that. I don't just mean about self-improvement. I don't think those are those are fine in in their place. You know, um, there's it's the big that's going to be the biggest section at a bookstore is self-improvement. But I mean, I'm talking more about learning. Um, from the great schools of thought. I mean like history, economics, philosophy, theology. I'm talking about learning things that are important to life, educating yourself on what matters in life and what makes for a good life and what makes for a good person and and benefit to society so that you can pass down wisdom through the ages. And that's it's a very difficult thing to learn how to self-educate because if you if you were to say, okay, I want to I'm going to dedicate myself to learning you know, whatever it's like whatever topic. And you're like, but where do you start? How do you know if something's a good source? How do you know if something is not a good source? Those are like, I, you know, you when you start doing this stuff and then you go, sometimes you can go down the wrong path. You know, there have been times that I've read books before that I was like, ah, I, I thought it was a good idea until I presented it to some friends who knew more than I did. And they were like, listen here, buddy, this is, Nice and all, it sounds good, but here's, you know, here's some problems and where this could lead you. And I was like, okay, well, so it's still a learning experience, but it also helps, you know, correct. It helps you form wisdom and learn, learn how to learn. But self-education, you know, it's not just about what you know. So you could read a bunch of books and get a bunch of facts and take a bunch of classes and get a bunch of facts and just, you know, spit these off. But that, that's not what self-education is for. It's about training yourself to think. It's about thinking through complex situations because a lot of life is very complex. It's about training yourself to discern potential outcomes for decisions that you might make, or you know how things are going to go in the world. It's about discerning. It's being able to pass on wisdom uh, to your children and to people who ask you questions. You know, there's always that one person that everybody goes to be, uh, for answers. So uh, I had worked at a church in. Denver, Colorado, and there was one guy on staff that everybody went to with questions. His name was Scott Brugman. And everybody there were plenty of people on the staff who had a had a lot of knowledge. But there was something about Scott. You're like, I'm going to Scott. He had wisdom. He had discernment. He could think th- he was a big student of history and of theology and philosophy. And he had this ability to make complex things very simple. And he had great insight into life. And so a lot of that came from his self-education and his study. It also came from the Hard Knocks of Life, which is its own way of teaching. But so you get these benefits, you you get training yourself to discern, you get to pass on wisdom, but maybe most importantly, it is self-education. If you learn things, especially the good stuff, you're gonna learn how to not fall for lies. You're gonna learn how to not fall for things that are untrue. And the lies that we're capable of, the things that we fall for, it's almost embarrassing. Let me give you the two most extreme examples I could think of as I was putting together an outline for this podcast because I was like, you know, I obviously, you know, I'm I'm going to I'm I don't want to say I'm conservative because I'm definitely I'm more Christian than I am conservative. That's for sure. But if you were to put me on a political spectrum, it would definitely be on the right. Um and so I tend to pick on, you know, some lefties, especially those far-off lefties because how can you not pick on them? But the people on the, on the far right, they're just as easy to pick on. I just haven't. But today we're changing that because I had to think of what are the two most extreme lies that people have fallen for that's embarrassing. And one of them is QAnon. QAnon, (laughs) I'm sorry, QAnon has to be the most embarrassing thing in the 21st century that people have fallen for. Now, there are other conspiracy theories that are, you're like, well, that could be true. Um, there are other, there are some conspiracies that are, you know, borderline like, oh you're stretching it, but oh I could see why that would be true. And then there's QAnon, um, that really believed, I think, uh, let me see if I remember this correctly. QAnon really believed that one of the Kennedys was going to show up and re and after Donald Trump won the presidency and Donald Trump was going to hand the presidency off to a, to a Kennedy one, the one that had died in the helicopter accident. I believe it's the one, if I, if I remember correctly. But that that's a really embarrassing thing that people can fall for. That's the most extreme example I can think of on the right. On the left, you could say Russia collusion. For a long time, you're like, oh, maybe that did happen, but it went on and on. Nothing was found, nothing was found, nothing was done. And still to this day, people believe that there was a collusion on the 2016 election. And what Well, what self-education, one of the things, and I'm not saying everybody falls for these extre- extremes. They don't. Um, and trying to find things in the middle. Isn't always just the best answer it's, it, but self-education will help you discern your times and not fall for things that are not true. They'll, that it'll help you fall for things that are not true now. So I'll give you an example. One of the reasons I really enjoy listening to Ben Shapiro is because that man is it almost like a robot. He's almost so logical that he doesn't buy into anything that could potentially not make logical sense. Now, that, that probably hinders him in some way. And his genius is far beyond anything I could imagine. But it, he's very he, he doesn't fall for lies. You know, he, He's very consistent. He doesn't fall for lies. And there's plenty of political commentators and philosophers that don't fall for lies. And that's the power of self-education. And that's going to be very, very important for you and for me. In an age when not all lies are obvious and everyone with a voice, this just seems to be the case. Everyone with a voice labels information as disinformation. That's like the thing to do these days. It's like, that's disinformation. That's disinformation. That's disinformation. That's disinformation. It's like, not, it can't all be disinformation, but if you just start labeling things as disinformation, what you're left with is like, okay, so what's actually true? What is actually true? And to answer that, honestly, you have to go backwards. You got to go, you got to go to history and to what has been true for ages. And then you got to hold to that. Okay. Because so like you could learn a lot about our current political moment. You could learn a lot about, you know, cultural moment, whatever, but the things that are most true, the things that you should self-educate yourself on are the things that have been true forever. That's going to give you wisdom to discern the times, to navigate the times, and to be able to hand something off to the next generation. It's the things that are true over and over and over again. So for example, I mentioned Claudine Gay in the, at the beginning of this podcast, and you could spend a lot of time educating yourself on all the nuances of that situation. In three months, Nobody, nobody, it won't matter. It, it literally it won't matter. There are people who are handling that situation. You don't need an opinion on it, and you don't need to know all the ins and outs on it. You don't even need to comment on it. It and because it doesn't matter. Do there are plenty of people who have done corrupt things, and you know they're going to pass the. But the ability to think through things that last, to navigate times, and to know what's worth giving your attention to, what's worth passing on, that is a skill. Now, so listen, this is from Proverbs chapter one. I want to give you a Bible verse from uh, Proverbs chapter one. Proverbs is the great book of wisdom. And at the very beginning of the book of Proverbs, it, it gives kind of an introduction on learning. You could say it says verse chapter, it says this, it says that men may know wisdom and instruction, understand words of insight that they may receive instruction and in wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity that prudence may be given to the simple knowledge and discretion to the youth. The wise man may also may hear an increase in learning and the man of understanding acquires skill. Okay. So that's, that's this introduction. It says, these are going to be things that last wise dealing righteousness, justice equity. I looked up the definition of equity. It means fair dealing. It doesn't mean like our modern um, connotation of equity where it's equal outcome. That, that's not what the Bible means when it says equity. It means fairness, flare pad, like uh, balanced scales. That prudence may be given to the simple. Uh, prudence is the ability to think through future actions. Uh, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Youth need to have knowledge and discretion so that they don't wander off into things that are no good. And they're going to get that from the people who have learned the skill of self-education. Okay. another way to think about self-education, the goal is not to become infallible. Okay. now, not most people probably don't have this temptation, although some do, because, I mean, Paul wrote in 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 uh, Corinthians. uh, Now, the people he's what did he say? Now, there are some who think they have knowledge, but they do not know as they ought to know. Um, There is a temptation when it comes to knowledge that is sinful, that lends itself to becoming like wanting to become infallible almost. And most people wouldn't say it that way, but it's wanting to know everything about everything so that if you come up in an argument, there's no way you're possibly wrong or you're not misinformed or that you come off smarter than you ought to. The goal of self-education is not to become infallible. It's not to know everything about everything. That's, That's actually not the goal at all. You don't want to self-educate so that you can be the smartest person in the room. The goal is the ability to think, to seek what is true and to humbly follow what is true. If you like chasing infallibility is rooted in pride and it'll cause you to become critical. It might even cause you to become cynical. It will definitely cause you to despise authority. That's for sure. Uh, If you think you're infallible, you will have a very hard time with authority. Um, uh, you'll, you'll probably begin to ridicule. You might even become, this might be the worst of all, you might become sarcastic. Sarcastic is, sarcasm is deadly. Now there's a place for funny sarcasm when you're telling jokes. I'm talking about that that dig deep sarcasm that's meant to show make somebody feel stupid. It, if you're chasing self-education and knowledge so that you can be puffed up with pride, because knowledge puffs up. You're, you're, you're not using it properly and you're destroying your soul. And none of that, none of that is a gift to others. You know, a learned man is a gift to other peoples, but a know-it-all is not. Somebody who knows wisdom, knows about life, who's studied, you know, great thinkers, they've studied history, they can answer tough questions about life and help people navigate situations. That's, that's a gift to others. But to just have facts so that you can pretend you're the smartest person in the world when you're not or that you know more than other people when you might, but it's not the purpose. It's it's actually just rooted in pride and it's not going to have the effect that you think it is. Nobody's looking for somebody who's infallible. People are looking for wisdom, and you yourself need wisdom, and the ability to self-educate will give you that, and then you can pass it on. So I hope I've kind of threaded the needle there on what the purpose is. I hope you kind of understand what I'm trying to say, that the purpose of self-education is to be able to hand on knowledge to other people about what has always been good, right, and true. That is the ultimate goal. And so I... I have, what I did is I listed, I have some principles that I have acquired, um, over the years, um, to help self-education. So I I am big on self-education. Most of what I know about various topics is through self-education. Um, and so like I have a, a decent base in, uh, what you like Personal training, human performance, body kinesthetics, that kind of stuff. Because for a long time I was a personal trainer, and I was very into fitness, and I wanted to learn as much as I could. So I devoured a bunch of information and learned a lot from different schools of thought when it comes to um, physical fitness. And you know, it was funny um, when I first st- when I first started learning. I thought I knew everything and then I kept learning and I thought I knew everything and I learned some more and I was like, well, I don't actually know what's right anymore. And I kept learning, kept learning, kept learning. I was like, Oh, I, okay. You know, 13 years later, I feel like, okay, I kind of understand different modes of physical fitness that matter for different stages of life, different abilities. Like I felt like now I'm like, okay, I think I understand a little bit more where I don't feel so, um, I don't actually feel like I'm this. I know everything, or the you know. Um, I also have a, I have a decent uh, base in theology I, I, because I studied a lot of theology. I took a lot of classes on theology because I really wanted to understand. Um, I wanted to understand God, and I wanted to understand Christianity. I have a. I would ha- say I have a freshman sophomore level of church history because I really want to understand the God's faithfulness through the ages through the church. Like I, re- so I, I'd say I have like a sophomore level of. Uh, church history. I'm currently very interested in uh, American Christianity, but I'm also very interested in the Russian Revolution through um, the fall of the Soviet Union and how that played out with communism spreading to the world and the atrocities of the Bolsheviks and and how that affected churches. Like I'm, I'm very interested in that. And I'm like, I'm those two are actually competing for my attention. I'm not sure which one is going to win, but I've collected all these books on the Russian Revolution that I'm excited to read. All that to say, it's like, oh, look, no, it's, I've, what I did is I, is I've really wanted to study stuff. I've become very interested in, in different topics and I've devoted a large amount of time to learning them on my own without, you know, you know, I wasn't in college at the time and I had to f- seek out teachers online. I had to look for references. I had to find what was good. I had to run stuff by people. I had to be corrected at times. And but I was, I, I, I say all of that to say, like, you don't have to go to college to self-educate and you don't have to know anything right now to be able to teach yourself how to self-educate. You can actually just start somewhere. And so I want, it's, this is possible for you, whether you are a blue collar guy, whether you are a white collar guy, whether you're in high school, college, you're a dad, you're wondering like, okay, where do I start? And I'll put some resources for places the potential places you could start um, in the show notes. Hillsdale is a great place. If you want to start learning on a broad array of topics, you can learn about the American constitution, early Christianity. You can learn about early American history. You can learn about Plato. You can learn about literature at Hillsdale. There's this online theology school I really, really like called Theos U. Um, they're going to be historic Christians. They're Protestant, but they're historic Christians. So they're confessional of the creeds. Um, there's the Augustine Institute in Colorado. Um, that's going to have theology classes. They're Catholic. You know, There's all of these awesome online resources that where you can start, and they'll give you a reference list of books. And then I'm, I'll talk about the books in, in a second where you can start with the books. But all, I want what I want you to know is that it's very important for you to self-educate. And it's also possible for you to self-educate no matter your educational level. And the goal at the end of the day, the goal at the end of the day is not to become infallible. It's not to know anything, to know everything, excuse me. But it is to be able to hand off something to your children that that has always been true to hand off what's always been true to your children hand off what has been good to your children to pass it on from generation to generation to have essentially a library of knowledge that you can pass on to your children and to your friends if you're so lucky if they if they're coming to you for for advice but the big thing is to be able to hand that off to your children and then to be able to navigate this crazy world that we live in until we get to heaven so here are some principles for you these are not necessarily in any uh, particular order, but these are things that I have learned over the years of trying to educate myself on various topics, okay? So the first principle, if you're taking notes or if you're just listening, the first principle is just come to believe you don't know anything. Like just really humble yourself and say, I probably don't understand as much as I think I understand. Uh, What does my dad say? He's like, there's nothing more dangerous than... uh, uh, what does he say? Uh, he, so I think, I think he said there's nothing more dangerous than a 30 year old who thinks he knows everything, <laughs> which is so true because like th- being 30 years old is kind of like being an adolescent of the adult years. You've gone, th- you know, you become an adult when you're 20. So you're like at 30, you're like a 10 year old adult. And unless you say you're 18, but, um, you think you know so much and you spend your first three years, of your thirties really realizing like, you don't know jack about anything. Um, so you really, you want, to, you want to come to believe and really trust like you don't know as much as you think you know. You want to drop all preconceived notions and ideas, sort of, maybe not all. You want to drop the preconceived notions that you have that are not rooted in what is old and true. Now, there are some of you who listen to this podcast and your parents and your teachers have handed down really awesome wisdom. They've handed down good knowledge. My parents handed down good knowledge to me and my brothers. And so I, you know, I don't want to drop any of that. But you want to examine your life and think about what you think about the world, what you think about yourself, what you think about what's good. And maybe consider maybe it's not necessarily uh, true or good or beneficial. You want to kind of just basically what you're doing. If you want to learn, if you want to self-educate, you need to humble yourself and assume you don't know as much as you think you know. There is this um, tale about Socrates and that Plato wrote where Plato um, is called the wisest man in the world because he was willing to admit that he didn't know anything. And you get the Socratic method because he would just ask a lot of questions. And that's how he would deduct reasoning. That's what the Socratic method. But there's this tale is like he's the wisest man. That people know of at the time. And um, he would say all the time, like, I don't actually know anything. And there's just kind of this principle of you learn stuff when you assume you don't know as much as you think you know. So that's principle number one. Principle number two, this is actually the most, uh, maybe this is the most difficult one of all of the things. You need to learn or practice arguing with yourself. You need to practice dismantling your own beliefs and preconceived notions because if you can argue with yourself, it forces you to think. Okay. So let's say you have an idea about, uh, what's a good, idea? let's say you have an idea about economics. Okay. Maybe you are like, we really just need to dismantle the, uh, federal reserve or whatever. And you're like, we, you're just convinced we need to dismantle the federal reserve. Well, in order to strengthen that, belief for that position, that knowledge, the only way you're going to be able to do that is to be able to argue against every, you need to make, come up with an argument of why you need to keep the federal reserve. You're learning to argue by learning to argue with yourself. It forces you to think through the complexities of life. Now, if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, Keaton, that is ridiculous. I would never, ever have that on my mind. Well, it's actually a pretty popular idea among a lot of people just abolish the federal reserve. And there's probably some merits to it. There's probably not merits to it. I couldn't tell you. I haven't looked into it too much myself, but I know that it's a popular idea. Or think through what you believe about authority. That's going to be a very important one. You know, I'm, I'm pro-authority. I, I really think authority is important. I think it's one of our missing elements in, in our free society as we've kind of adopted a um, – through it, it, maybe it's through just our – popular history but we've kind of um in our pursuit of liberty have um come, created disdain for authority and the benefits of authority and how god institutes authority for the good of people and and so maybe you need to think about authority maybe you think need to think about like what's the good life what is what um how can i be a good husband What what's a good father do what's a good work is trying to build your business to be the most massive business in the world the most important thing in the world. Is that where you're going to get the most benefit out of life? All of, you, you just want to, to teach yourself. You want to practice arguing with yourself. The person who can argue with themselves is somebody who has forced themselves to think. You're thinking contrary to how you've normally thought. So you're going to, I mean, biologically strengthen your neurons, but you're forcing yourself to consider other points of view that will actually strengthen your already believed notions, or you'll discover they're very, they're not as strong as you thought they were. And then if you get to that point, if you start to, if you have argued with yourself and you realize, oh, what I believe is actually not rooted in what has been uh, true for history, then you're going to be in a place where like, oh my gosh, I have to reconsider a lot and now I need to go read old books and I need to wrestle. And that's actually a very, that can be a tough place to be, but it's also a very good place to be. Cause you've actually now stepped into uh, principle number one where you're like, Oh, maybe I don't actually know as much as I thought I did and I need to actually go learn something. That's a So it's a good place to be. So that's, um, principle number one, humble yourself and assume you don't know as much as you think, you know, principle number two, learn to argue with yourself. Because that's going to strengthen what you already believe, or it's going to force you to confront that what you might believe may not actually be as true as you thought it was. And it forces you to think. Uh, Principle number three, you want to figure out what you're trying to learn. Okay. So you can't know everything about everything all at once. So it's best if you want to educate yourself on something, you want to pick a topic that you want to learn. Okay. So I gave the example earlier of American Christianity or the Russian Revolution um and what you want to do is you're like okay that's what i want to learn you want to write down some preliminary questions for things that you do not understand and then you want to start to search you want to start to search and actually so a great place to start with this is actually wikipedia because wikipedia you don't have to read anything there but you can scroll down to the bottom and you can click on all those links um you can also start by taking a class through an institution that you find trustworthy that offers the free classes or, um, even, you know, paid subscription. So Hillsdale is going to be my go-to cause it's free. They do classical education. Um, they're, they're really, really excellent in their education and you're not going to get any stuff that feels like it's indoctrinating you one way or the next or whichever you're just, you're going to get stuff that's old. And so that's going to be a great place to start. So you want to start with some preliminary questions. You want to pick a topic and then you want to start to search. Um, I remember, so years ago, uh, this was, I think I was 24 years old. I was, um, listening to a lot of Matt Chandler. Matt Chandler is a reformed pastor down in Dallas, Texas. And I, I really, in a lot of ways, I learned how to read the Bible from Matt Chandler. He had all these sermons where he would go verse by verse through the Bible. And I I learned in a lot of ways how to appreciate, to read the Bible from him and, um, but he, has, he had this, he had written this book called The Explicit Gospel and it started with the question of what is the Gospel? And I thought that was an interesting question because like everybody knows what the gospel is. But as I started to research, you found out, well, everybody says something about the gospel and a lot of it there's a lot of overlap and then there's a lot of different emphasis on it. And I was like, oh, okay, so what is the gospel? And that sent me down a path where I read a lot of N.T. Wright. I read a lot of the reformed guys, you know, in those times. And then, um, I started moving into, um, you know, maybe like some Wesley and then some of the church fathers and then some of the Catholics. And, And I was just trying to, I was like, okay, when people, what, when you think, what is the gospel? What is it? And I had to ask several people who gave me good answers and they gave me good recommendations and places to start until I ended up reading, I don't know, probably over the course of years, probably 30 books just on the gospel, you know? And I I remember there's a pastor actually named John Mark Comer and, um, he did a whole series on the gospel and his answer is so far been my favorite. I think, um, he's cause he's like, what's the gospel. It's like, it's the whole thing. The, the (laughs) Matthew one, one through John 21. I think it's 19. That's that is the whole, that's the gospel, the whole thing. And I was like, all right, now we're getting somewhere. But, um, if you write in the comment, something that's contrary, just, please don't do, no need for negative comments here. But what, uh, that's an example of, I started searching and seeking and reading and exploring and trying to understand deeply. That was just a question I asked and I started to search and you might have a question that you have, you need to write down some of those and then start to search, start to search. And the great thing, and this is true of the kingdom of God. It's also true of everything that is true because everything that is true Uh, has some reference point in the kingdom of God because it's headed by Jesus, who is the truth. So when it comes down to the things that are the most true, uh, they have to do with the kingdom of God. And if you seek and seek and seek and seek, you will find, you will find, and there is that warning that Paul gives about people who are always learning, but never arriving at the knowledge of the truth. Those people I think are more inclined to be kind of like what I said at the beginning. They wanna become infallible, but they never actually arrive at the truth. C.S. Lewis actually put a character in his book, The Great Divorce, about a guy who was always learning, but never arrived at the truth. And I think that's because if you, there's a difference between learning to become infallible and seeking the truth until you find it, because you will find it if you seek, it's a promise. So that's that's going to be a different point. Seeking versus just learning to become infallible. Seek, seek, seek. Um, you should if you're trying to figure out what to learn and you're like, I don't know what, where to start. You could start with some of the hardest questions in life, um, not just frivolous things, um, you know, like knowing you know, about our election cycle or whatever. But you could you could start asking questions that philosophers have been asking themselves. Here's a good one. What is the good life? Have you ever thought about what actually makes for a good life? and if you were to write that down what makes for a good life, write down your you know your five answers and then ask yourself like is that my life? Uh, does that in, does my life include virtue? Does my life include serving the poorest of the poor the does my life include loving the unlovable? Does my life include giving away my life? Those are all things that Jesus said, or does is what I wrote down, is the good life look like big bank accounts, lots of success? Is it? Is it different, is it different? And you could start to ask those questions. I don't know how many people have asked themselves, what is the good life? Most of us just live on default and we haven't actually centered our life around our, our religion or our faith or, or something else. And I, I hope you choose your faith. Uh, you could ask, who is the good person? Like, really, who is the good person? I ex- I did a sermon one time called How to Be a Good Person, and it was from Luke chapter 6. And I, I was like, there's been basically two answers. One, you can't be a good person on your own. Uh, there's no one good but God. That's what Jesus said. But he also said in Luke chapter 6 that the good person out of the good treasure brings forth good and that they love the unlovable. They love their enemies. They pray for those who persecute them. They bless those who hate them. They go the second mile. He lists all these things. That's what the good person does, and so in a way, you can't be good in and of yourself, but you can do good by doing what Jesus said to the best of your ability and relying fully on grace to be able to do it. You know, any, any good work that you get that we do requires grace, and to not do good works when we're prompted is to neglect grace. That's not a good thing to do. <laughs> don't don't do that. <laughs> uh, just just follow it. And so uh, that's a side tangent. So you could ask, you, like, what is the good life? Who is the good person? Uh, Actually, what do I believe about God? Do what I believe about God? Is it true? Uh, one of my favorite questions, this is a question I have asked for at least six years, and it's it has been the root of my love of history, is what on earth is God doing on the earth? And for a while, I would talk about this with anybody because, you know, Genesis 1 through 11 is like the precursor, the prologue to the Bible. It's kind of like the human problem in 11 chapters. And um, it, it plays out throughout the Bible and then throughout history. And And there's this like, what on earth is God doing on the earth? And if, if you look at historical events and, and how things happen, you have to see and you can, you can begin to see um, – evil like you wouldn't believe but you also can start to see the faithfulness of god and how he has spread his church around the world and his gospel around the world and and how things are so much better now post-resurrection than they ever were um and that they've continued um to get better in a of way we still have all the, of our sin problems you can see this what god has been doing on the earth when you study history and it, it's something i really really enjoy so That was a long answer to uh, principle number three, figure out what you um, uh, want to learn. Okay. Uh, Number four, create a baseline. Um, So here's here's what I mean by create a baseline. Um, Maybe you're not ready to jump into a specific topic, but you're ready to just kind of educate yourself. Well, you want to start with reading old books and you want to read the classics. These are the great books for a reason, and they'll help you learn how you should think. They'll challenge you. So if you were to get on, you know, Goodreads and type in the hundred best novels of all time or the hundred best books of all time, you can pick any one of those books on that list. It doesn't have, it actually doesn't matter what that book is, and you can begin to read it, and it's going to challenge you and it's going to force you to think. Um, if you need a book to start, East of Eden is a great place to start. The Lord of the Rings is a great. St- great place to start um if you were looking for something more in the christian realm you could read confessions by saint augustine you could you could read part of the city of god because it's so long um you know those are going to be great books um you could read the iliad Uh, that's on my list to read this year i've never read the iliad but i want to read the iliad but what you can do you could read charles dickens great expectations fantastic book what you can do when you read these classics is they force you to think. There's a reason they're called the greatest books and they're going to do something to your mind. They're going to exercise your mind in a way that you just don't if you you know, scroll on your phone all day. So you create a baseline. If you're not ready to jump into something, you can create a baseline. Also, Hillsdale, again, Hillsdale has a reading list. Um, you can go and search and find it. Um, that will give you the books that they teach their students and you can be, oh, pick one of those. And every book that I just listed is on their reading list. Uh, Jordan P- Peterson also has a list of great books. I'm not as big of a fan of Jordan Peterson as a lot of people are. I do appreciate him and I love what he is teaching. And, and I like his reading list and I've read a lot of the books on his reading list. You can go read those. It doesn't matter what the book is necessarily, but it'll help you start to create a baseline that will challenge <clears throat> Oh, excuse me. Challenge you. Uh, all right. Principle number five, uh, If you are on a question, read a lot of books on that question. Okay, so I actually learned this from reading about Theodore Roosevelt. If he wanted to learn about the history of um, Belgium, he would go to the library and he'd grab 10 books on the history of Belgium and he would not read anything else until he finished those 10 books. So you want to grab a bunch of books about... Um, whatever topic you want to learn and just read all of those or take a class on those or listen to a podcast on those. I remember Tim, Tim Keller said this thing once. Um, he said, if you've read three books or three authors, you're a clone. You're just repeating what they say. If you've read 50 books or 50 authors, you're a student. And if you've read 100 books or 100 authors, you can finally formulate your own thoughts with humility. And I I think he wasn't even saying books. I think he was saying authors, which is a lot of authors. But he was a very well-read man, very, very smart man. What a gift he was. Uh, God rest his soul. But if you have a question, you don't want to read one book. Read a lot of books. Listen to a lot of podcasts. Watch a lot of videos on YouTube. It's so easy to self-educate right now. Because the internet has stuff everywhere. You you can just do it. Okay, Uh, Principle number six. I've talked about this a lot. Take online classes. Hillsdale is awesome. Online classes, especially a lot of them are free. And you can learn good stuff. Um, You want to write. Principle number seven. Write a response to what you're reading. Try to explain it. Wrestle with it. So if you are learning something, you could read. A, you ever read a book and you get to the end and you're like, it was good, but man, I don't remember what it was about. Well, the thing that you can do is you can read a chapter, put the book down, and try to write about what you just learned. That's true of a fiction book, of a novel. That's true of a history book. That's true of a philosophy book. That's true of a business book. That's true of whatever you read. If you Put, read the chapter, put the book down, and then try, just try to write a quick summary, two to three hundred words of what you learned in your own words. It will cement it in your mind. Now if you're like, I don't want to write, read and then go have a conversation with it about somebody and try to recall what you just learned. That's going to cement it in your mind. Okay? So writing writing and thinking are synonymous. You, you can't write without thinking. So it's writing and is just thinking on paper. It's, so it doesn't have to be the best essay you've ever written. It just needs to be on paper. okay? Uh, principle number eight. I've got ten, 10 of these. Wow, that was a lot. Uh, principle number eight for self-education. You need to find time to sit in silence and think. Okay, so you and I are bombarded with notifications, news headlines. You know, all of our notifications are social media text. Plus, you're trying to self-educate. Plus, you've got your family. Plus, you you've just got a lot going in your mind, and and you need time to sit and process and think. You don't. You need so take like 30 minutes, 20 minutes every day to just sit in silence, and think, at least that much, and think. So the way I do this, you know, I've got two kids. I've got a two-year-old and an eight-month-old, and the way I do this, the time I get silence is either really in the mor- early in the morning or when I'm driving my car to work. So I don't listen to, I typically don't listen to anything while I'm driving much. You know, there are times where I will listen to a podcast or try try to catch up on the news or something, but most of the time I don't listen to anything because that's my time to think. Most of my podcast episodes are written while I'm driving. I'm not kidding. I will be driving, thinking about through what I want to say. And when I, um, you know, pull into the driveway or whatever, I'll just pull out my phone and I'll start writing the outline. And that's how I get the outline for most of my podcasts during that time. Sitting in silence and thinking is a very, very powerful thing for understanding what you are learning, okay? Um, Number nine, actually, this kind of, this is, oh, so maybe I only have nine principles because I wrote this one down twice or I've already kind of talked about it. Fully immerse yourself in one thing until you understand it and then move on to the next thing, okay? So this comes from the law of diminishing returns. If you The law of diminishing returns, if you've ever seen it on a graph, it's a, it's a curve, it's steep at the front and then it flattens out over time with the x-axis being time, the y-axis being amount. And the law of diminishing returns is the more time you spend on one thing, the less amount of any given thing that you'll have, okay? So you can, the difference between somebody who is uh, knowledgeable in, a, in an area and somebody who's an expert in an area Is going to be about 10,000 hours, but to become knowledgeable in an area only takes about a hundred hours, but you're going to, so if you spend a hundred hours on one topic, you're going to have a pretty good understanding of, you won't be an expert, but you have a pretty good understanding of it. You've immersed yourself in it and then you can move to the next thing. So that's kind of, that's just kind of how I've learned everything. I'm not an expert on anything, but I've spent a lot of time on one area and then I'll move to the next and then to the next. Law of diminishing returns, powerful for learning. Uh, Then principle number 10, this comes from mom. Uh, This sort of comes from mom. Read fiction, watch movies, then ask yourself the question, what is the lesson? So my mom, we would watch a movie. We're like 10 years old, 12 years old, 18 years old. We're watching a good movie as a family, enjoying it. The movie's over ah, it's so good. I wish we had more popcorn. And mom would go, all right, so what's the lesson? And I think it was my bro- youngest brother, Dylan, who'd said, mom, no more lessons. No more. It may have been me. I don't. I actually don't remember who said it. But over and over again, we watch a movie. We watch a show and mom would turn us, what's the lesson? And as an adult, I'm so appreciative of that because I do the same thing with my kids. Every I turn everything into a lesson. And that actually is powerful to reconnect you to life. So much of our life is spent just consuming and not appreciating, consuming and not learning, not noticing the deeper message in, in movies or books or events that connect us back to what's true and back to God and our purpose on earth. And mom had this ability to pick, okay, she'd watch a movie. What's the lesson? And that's a good principle for anything you encounter, whether it's a, Uh, A fiction book, whether it's a movie, whether it's a show, whether it's an event in your life, you can, after you've gone through the event or whatever, you've gone through the movie, you can ask yourself, okay, so what's the lesson? What did I learn here? What can I take with me? What can I hand on? It's just a good principle. At the end of the day, you know, self-education, there's a lot of reading. There's a lot of writing. There's a lot of watching classes. There's a lot of thinking. But really what it is, self-education is allowing other people through different mediums, books, through podcasts, through conversations, through classes. It's allowing other people to deposit knowledge that they've learned into you. And the goal is for you to do the same thing for others. So every time you learn something, every time you read a book, every time you take a class, somebody is depositing what they have learned into you. They're sharing it with you. And your goal is to then take that and learn it and understand it and live it and seek what's true and then pass that on to your children so that they can pass it on to their children and they can pass it on to their children. By the end of your life, I hope you have a library of lessons that you can hand down to your children and your grandchildren and live a good life knowing that like this, this is also temporary. And I hope you gain wisdom and insight from this pursuit of self-education. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Institute of Men podcast. My name is Keaton Tucker. If you have not hit that subscribe button, please go ahead and hit that subscribe button. We appreciate it. If you would, share this with a friend. And until next time, this is the Institute of Men podcast.